It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The carousel at right wing keeps turning for the Edmonton Oilers, with Drake Kajula catching fire in back-to-back games and hanging on to a spot on the top line alongside star Connor McDavid, even though Ty Ratty, the regular on McDavid's right-hand flank, is ready to return to the lineup. So there's that, and there's also the strong play of a couple of others on the right side, Alex Chason and Zach Cassian, who for the moment are entrenched on the second and fourth lines respectively which leaves the youngest two right-wingers on the club, Kyler Yamamoto and Yassi Pugliarvi, both who have yet to leave a firm impression on the lineup. Oh, what to do, what to do if you're Oilers head coach Todd McClellan and general manager Peter Shirelli. But it's a nice problem to have, considering how last season played out. I'm Jim Matheson. Uh, I'm Derek Van Deest. And I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to Derek about the right-wing situation and also about the fate of Evan Bouchard the rookie defenseman who was sent back to the junior London Knights, and why. And I talked to Jim, who was on the road with the Oilers on a four-game Eastern trip through Detroit, Washington, Tampa Bay, and Florida, about the team's goaltending situation, which has seen backup Nico Koskinen take full advantage of opportunities to play, and look very much like a 1A alternative to starter Cam Talbot. We also talk about Ratty's situation, and the black hole that is the Oilers' third line right now, with Ryan Strom and Milan Lucic, not to mention Pugliarvi, unable to produce much, if any, offense, unlike the team's other three lines. This is the Oil Spills Podcast for Tuesday, November 6th, 2018. Drake Kajula can be a hot player, but he can also be a cold player. And and right now he's obviously riding the hot hand. Ty Ratty is back from injury. He's available to play, but the owners are keeping him out of the lineup because Drake Kajula has been performing very well with Connor McDavid on the on the top line. Yeah, it's a it's a good problem to have for the Oilers right now when they have a guy returning who's supposed to be your top line right winger, but the team is playing so well, and you want to reward guys for playing well. And obviously, it's tough to to move a guy down from that spot. 
when he's just scored two goals on that line or two goals, in, like you said, in three goals in two games on that line. I, th- I think I've always maintained that that spot on the right side is kind of a, it's a it's kind of a cookie for the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Oilers coaching staff because if you play well, you're going to get a chance to play with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins on the right side on that top line. And so saying that, you can't put a guy up there, have him succeed, and then take him off when another guy's ready to come out. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, they won't tempt, they won't they won't mess with the lineup uh, going into to Washington. And I think it's important that players recognize that they may not be in that spot for that long, so they have to take advantage when they play there. And I think Drake Kajula is one of, Kajula is one of those guys that he knows his best hockey will come when he's playing on the top top line with Connor McDavid as most players real recognize that 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 is a great opportunity to put up points to to be successful and when you get there you have to make the most of it and I think that is something that really going to push the competition to play on that spot on the right side and I think he's taking advantage of it right now he's a guy that is a streaky scorer but he's also a guy that I think he gets it. He knows that he he's not he doesn't have the world of talent. He just has to work hard. He gets to the gritty areas. He gets to those hard areas, as they talk they call them. He go to the front of the net. Not a big guy, but he can be an agitating guy. And I think the owners don't have a lot of those guys. So I think it's a matter of right now he's getting it and he's doing the things and he's staying healthy. And I think that's the key as well. Is that you're going to lose that spot if you if you get injured. So it's tough to say don't get injured, but you're going to lose that spot because someone else will come and take it and excel in that position. Chula has been a love him or hate him player among the fan base. You know, obviously when he's performing the way he is now, people love him. Mm-hmm. But there are still people who don't believe in it. At the same time, of course, he's a young player. This yeah. is this is year three for him in the NHL. So at some point in time. Players have to show that they're able to stay in one spot. I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, maybe not the greatest example since Drake Kajula wasn't a number one overall pick, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins has definitely cemented himself along the left-hand side with Connor McDavid. Maybe that's not the best example when you're talking about Drake Kajula. But I mean, Ty Ratty came in you yeah. know, late in the season last year and has made the most of his opportunity until he got injured. So, I think, if anything, Ty Ratty coming up here and, and succeeding on in that spot kind of sends the message that you can't get complacent in that spot and I, and, and I want to say that Jake Jula probably got a little complacent in that spot last year playing with Connor McDavid Connor McDavid likes playing with Drake Kajula Drake Kajula doesn't have any worldly physical assets he's not the fastest skater in the world he doesn't have the greatest shot he's not a, obviously he's not a big guy but he is a, a smart hockey player in a sense that he knows where he's supposed to go and what he's supposed to do and Connor McDavid likes playing with guys that can think the game, not necessarily at his level, because there's not a lot of guys that can think the game at his level, but can think the game in that vicinity. That's why you have to put him up there with a smart player. You have to put him up there with a guy that reads the game well, with a guy that can understand the game well and where he's going. That's why it's tough to put players up there. That's probably why Puliari doesn't get a lot of shot up there, because he, he doesn't read the game as well as Connor McDavid does, and he doesn't go in the, in the spots that those players are expected to go. And so with Drake O'Jewel, I think last year he had a good start and he played well there at, at Spurts, but I think at times he got complacent, basically because there was no one else to play in that spot last year. And I think this year there are other guys that can come in and, and, and get a, an opportunity on that line and succeed on that line. And I think he's a guy that maybe because he's a little inconsistent, maybe because he doesn't have great physical talents that you could say, wow, yeah, he's a great skater, he's a great this. Maybe he's a guy because he has to be more of a bit of a grinder guy 
on that top line, maybe that's why he's got fans that detract from him. But I think, yeah, he's a guy that you either really like what he brings or don't think he should be there at all. And it's kind of an interesting dynamic with him there. And there are plenty of examples of players who get put in a position, uh, you know, and this goes back over, you know, the history of hockey really, but even more in more recent times, I think about playing with Sidney Crosby and what's that stun for players who have come in from other teams like Chris Kunitz in the past, maybe James Neal. I'm not comparing Drake Kajula to those yeah. two players. Those guys are, you know, they have been elite scorers in the NHL. But they did come from a place where they weren't considered that at one point. And they are, you know, and Kajula, again, is in, only in his third year in the league, although he is older than, say, Jesse Pugliarvi, who is 20 years old, almost 21. Anyway, you're, we're trying to find the right fit, and yeah. you never know where that's going to come from. It's not always going and acquiring you know, the best right winger in the league to play with the best center in the league. You've got to find complementary players who can play the way you know, you're suggesting that they think the game. Yeah, and I think he, he is one of those guys, and he's a, he's, he, you're right, he's a little older because he's a college player. He came out of college, uh, but you know he's a smart guy. He's a smart player, and he, and he kind of understands the game, and he understands the situations, and I think that that is the problem with some players is that They'll understand one situation, but then as the game flows and moves, they don't know where to go in different situations. And Kajula can adapt to that. And that's why I think guys like Connor McDavid like playing with, with Drake Kajula because he, he knows how to adapt. He knows how to get in different spots. He knows he sees the game well. He reads the game well. Um, but you're right. It has to be a good fit, and it's not necessarily the most talented guy that's going to be a fit on that line. And I think maybe that's the case right now as people say, well, he's not the most talented guy on the right wing. We had perhaps, but he seems to fit the best there right now. And, and when Ty Ratty, if he gets his chance back there again, he's going to have to make the most of it. Ty Ratty is another guy that he reads the game very well, but he's also a pretty good finisher. And I think that's the thing with Kajula. He's going to have to finish those opportunities, and he is right now. Ratty's a bit more of a pure goal scorer, a bit more of a pure finisher uh, than, say, Kajula is. And, and he's not necessarily a guy that will go to the front of the net and get those greasy goals. Raddy's more of a guy that can snipe from the slot and in areas like that. But So there, I think they complement that line a little differently both ways. But I think it's good that there's competition there and that you have to lose that spot or someone has to take it from you. And it's only going to benefit the Oilers. And, and you see what it's doing right now with the team. It's, it's kind of going up and down the lineup, and, and everyone's playing well. And what's interesting now too is you know the and while Drake Kajula can play both both wings right or left, there are six right wingers the Oilers could plug into the lineup in any given day. I mean Raddy Kajula, we have Alex Chase on, who has been scoring a lot, and his opportunity mm-hmm. playing with Drysaitel, but right now we have Puliyarvi at the right wing spot and Yamamoto sitting out. And Jack Cassian is pretty much locked down on the fourth line. Would there ever be a time when the Oilers would consider, say, putting both Pugliarvi, as has been suggested, that he should go down to Bakersfield for some conditioning if he can't, you know, play regular minutes or bigger minutes? Would they have both Pugliarvi and Yamamoto down in Bakersfield? Would that be of a benefit? Well, I think because the way Chason's playing, that does give him that that opportunity. And I think he's obviously been a revelation here. Mm-hmm. They thought they were getting a guy that was a good hockey guy that, that, could, that could move up and down the lineup. They weren't expecting him to play on the second line because if they thought they were getting a second-line player, they probably would have offered him a contract right away. They're expecting this guy to be a third or fourth-line guy, a guy that can move up the lineup if need be. Um, but they didn't expect him to jump in and score the way he's scoring. Obviously, he doesn't expect it that that either. But I think Alex Chason is kind of – he's a guy that has talent, and he's a guy that works hard, and he's trying to put it all together. But I think he's signed so many 
these PTOs and one-year deals. He's a guy that wants a contract. He's a guy that wants to prove that, hey, you know, I could score 15 to 20 goals in this league if I'm put in the right situation. And he's well on his way there. So you look at Alex Chase on a guy goes gets 20 goals. He's almost guaranteed a contract somewhere. Maybe if the owners don't want to give him a contract, someone will pay him money. Uh, if he does, if he ends up scoring 20 goals in this league, and I think it's a, it's a great find for the Oilers. You don't see a lot of these guys that come in on these professional trial contracts and end up playing on your second line. Um, it, it's it's a fantastic find. He, obviously, he can't keep this shooting percentage going. I think he's only taking 12 shots on net or something like that. So this is not going to keep going. But if he can continue to produce and be productive, and yeah, now that gives the Oilers some leeway. As what? Yamamoto doesn't have to be here. Pugliarvi doesn't have to be here. They don't need to insert those guys in the lineup. They can get them down to the, to the American Hockey League. They can get them some seasoning, and it, which will help out. So I think Chason is a big revelation in that regard. Is Now he's kind of pushed a couple guys down a little further down the lineup, and he's given the Oilers some options. You know, I'll change gears well to the defense and Evan Bouchard. Now, you know, leading up to him being sent back to junior last week, uh, you know, I think the consensus in the podcast room here was that he should stay in the NHL because that's the best place for him to develop. If you send him back to junior, you know, I, I don't know how much more did he have to prove there. I mean, the Oilers have sent him back to junior. I mean, were there some revelations on defense or even with Bouchard's play that you know more or less pushed the Oilers to do that, or is it something like the potential for a Seattle expansion coming up, potential of a lockout? Or is it a combination of all these things? I think it's probably a combination of all those things because I think if you just judged it on his play alone, I think he had done enough to merit staying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what we saw in Evan Bouchard was a player that very confident on the puck, very skilled, can make a great pass, he's a great shot, he's a very good offensive defenseman. He wasn't overwhelmed physically, um, and he was just going to get better and better and better playing here. But I think you're right. Circumstances like the expansion draft – like the potential lockout, um, like other guys play. Matt Benny's going to come in here and, he, and he's playing well, so he's going to he's going to help out. I think they liked what Kevin Gravel did in his time. Garrison is getting a lot better, so I think they do have now seven defensemen that they're confident, NHL defensemen that they're confident with. So they think while he's going to go down there, he's going to play in the World Juniors. I think that'll be a big thing for Evan Bouchard to play in the World Juniors, and it's odd not often that guys get sent from the NHL straight to the World Juniors. I think they like. World Juniors like you playing at that level before you go and play in that tournament. So I think that was a big part of it too. They want him there. They want him to experience that high-end, high-caliber hockey. So I think a lot of all those factors played in. If it was just a matter of his performance, he would have still been here. But I think that there's other factors involved. And it's never a bad decision to go get a guy more seasoning. You never want to rush players into the league. Personally, I thought he would he would develop better being a guy that can – spell into the lineup but the Oilers feel that no let him go down let him play 30 some minutes a night with London let him play in all situations let him play in the world juniors and then we'll get a, a, a bit more experienced player here next year Matty, Miko Koskinen has uh, played very well. He's He earned the start. Well, he got the start in Was- against Washington uh, last week and then uh, 
shut them out with a 40-save performance and then uh, got to start the very next game. Uh, now, we do have Cam Talbot playing the first uh, the game against the Washington Capitals uh, on Monday. What do you make of the goaltending situation for the Oilers right now? Well, probably better than it was when uh, Laurent Bussois was the backup and Al Montoya replaced him because those were were backups in name only because Cam still seemed to play every game and the backups barely played. So uh, already in the last week or so, Koskin has played three games and won all three games. So now it, it puts a little bit of, I wouldn't say heat or pressure on Cam Talbot, but there is an alternative now if, if Cam... Uh, Cam's game slips a little bit that they can play Koskinen. So he's not playing tonight because uh, they'd worked the rotation that, that was supposed to be Cam's game. And I thought it would be against Braden Holtby, but uh, the Capitals play Pittsburgh in a few days, so they're going to save Holtby for the Penguins. So uh, Copley, the backup for Washington, will play against Cam Talbot. And this is the first time in about four years where Cam has sat more than one game uh, for a backup goaltender unless he was hurt. So that was... Uh, you know, that's been a long time uh, for Cam to uh, to sit, but you know he's still a, the owner starter, and he's won five games uh, more than Koskinen has this year. So uh, we'll see how it is. The owners have won five in a row on the on the road, and uh, you know they've been better on the road than almost at home. And this is the sort of thing any team wants. They want to have some competition between goalies. I mean. You know, Peter Shirelli did pay Michael Koskinen good money to come to play in North America with the Oilers this year, and he's so far you can argue, and it's only been three games for him, but so far the money looks well spent. Uh, it certainly does. Uh, sometimes the goalie can come in and your team is playing so well, uh, the backup it doesn't matter who you have in goal, but in his case, he's got a shutout. Uh, you know, he played very well uh, in Nashville in a win against a, you know a team that had beaten the Oilers for five straight years, home or away. And then uh, the other night against uh, Detroit, uh, he was very good as well. So the games he is playing, he's playing well. He's just not riding on the Oiler offense for a 5-4 victory or something like that. So that's a positive. And that $2.5 million that most of us looked at and said, oh, that's way too much for a backup. Uh, looks like it's money well spent so far. Uh, the only, the only, I guess, niggling concern is that I think we saw sort of the same thing from Anders Nilsson four years ago, where early in the season he played really well uh, as the owner backup when when Cam wasn't playing well, and we thought, oh man, this is great, uh, somebody to, to uh, be a one and a one A in the goaltending. But then uh, Nilsson's game slipped, and Cam was playing almost every night as he has done for the last two years so it's a positive for the Oilers because the Oilers play in Tampa tomorrow and I don't suppose Talbot will play back to back nights so Koskinen will be playing uh, tomorrow night in Tampa I would suspect Now there's you know no changes in the lineup I mean Ty Rowdy's been healthy here for a few days he was on the top line uh, before he got injured I would imagine at some point Ty Ratty will get back in, but you have to ride the hot hand when you're Todd McClellan. Yeah, you could, I guess. Ratty, you never like to have a player get hurt and then lose his job, but Drake Kajula scored three goals the last two games playing with Connor McDavid, so 
Uh, it's a little difficult to take him out as a right winger. And Chase on Alex Chase on has scored six goals in eight games as the number two right winger. So unless he's coming in to replace Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, who I thought played fairly well in Detroit uh, and you know had some chances, uh, I don't see where they could could make shift because uh, Ty Ratty's not going to go to the fourth line where Zach Cassian is. So I guess you could move out somebody from another position, but then that means then you've got to jockey a couple of different lines, and I don't think Todd wants to do that, especially the fourth line, which has played well the last couple of games and got uh, a few goals, two from Brodziak uh, last game in Detroit. Uh, the only line that's still struggling is the third line with uh, Ryan Strom and uh, Milan Lucic, uh, now with Jesse Pugliarvi on the right wing. Yeah, on the third line, I mean, Strom hasn't scored a point, not even an assist yet this season, and uh, Lucic hasn't scored a goal since the opener, and that's his only goal. Yeah, and I think when is when when uh, Milan played well in the preseason and got a couple of goals, and then scored in the first game, we thought, okay, uh, after last year going one goal in his last forty six games, I thought I think most of us thought, okay, he's back to being the old Milan Lucic now, where he's going to pop in twenty, but uh, nothing since that first game in in Sweden. Uh, New Jersey won five to two. He's had some chances, but hasn't scored. And I guess you know it's a fifty-fifty situation. He's been playing with uh, Ryan Strom for a number of those games, and uh, Strom doesn't have a point. So it's probably incumbent on the center to help the winger, and uh, conversely, maybe the winger can help the center get a few points too by putting in some of those passes for goals. But you don't. You, you never want a third line which is playing, you know, fifteen odd minutes a night to get nothing. Every time you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game, and so far with the orders eight, four, and one, it, you can shrug it off and say, okay, well, eventually they'll come around, and, and they're not the reason the team is say six and six or five and seven. Uh, the owners are still playing well, even though that third line isn't putting up much in terms of points. But eventually, you have to have. You know, Lucic and Strom contributing as the fourth line is contributing with Brodziak and Kara and and Cassian, or uh, that's not a good thing for the Oilers. And if it doesn't start producing, then that's probably the line that Todd McClellan will look at to uh, to make some changes. I'm not saying taking anybody out, but maybe moving some people around. Well, I know, and Milan Lucic started the year on the second line uh, alongside Leon Dreisaitl, and he's he has moved down to the third line for five on five play. He does still play on the power play, the first unit, I believe. Um, so, you know, I think about the chemistry. I mean, Strom and Lucic have been playing together for a few games now, and obviously Pugliarvi's been on the right side. Yeah, you know, I guess I'm just reinforcing what you just said. There might have to be some shuffling around. There is. Well, Pugliarvi and, and Strom have played together for quite some time, and, and Strom likes playing with Jesse, and, you know, he thinks he's going to be a player. Uh, Lucic, as you pointed out, didn't start there. Uh, started on the second line, but Reeder has played really well. Uh, Toby Reeder with Dreisaitl and has seven assists on the season. No goals yet, but seven assists. So they're not going to take her with that that uh, German duo. So for now, uh, Lucic is on the third line, and he is getting first power play duty. So it, you know, it's not like he's just getting third line duty, and this is why he isn't getting any goals. He's also on the power play. So. Eventually, this dam has to break for Lucic because one goal in the last 46 games last year and one goal in 13 this year. So that's two goals in the last 59 games for a guy who 
has always been a 20 goal scorer. So this is either a sign that the goalies are awful good or, or he's just misfiring or um, it's something more serious than that because he's better than that for sure. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.